Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? fans? And welcome into the Wednesday, June the 12th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and... As always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got a special guest joining the podcast. The mother of a current Miami Dolphins player will join to talk about the process of being acquired by the Dolphins, the moment she knew that he was a special player, and a whole lot more. Plus, contracts are being doled out across the league. Miami has a few players that could use some new deals. We'll explore what those potential contracts might look like, and we'll preview the NFC South to wrap things up. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya Podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Tuned In, wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, by Dolphins Twitter, and check out the show at Locked On Fins. And of course, the website, LockedOnDolphins.com. Jason Harina, our staff editor, has a great piece up there on the quarterbacks post Dan Marino era. Don't miss that. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast, for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and jump right in. It is the time of year right now where contracts are being handed out across many camps, across training facilities, all over the country, all over the league. Taking care of players before the summer break is truly the best way to ensure that they're happy. Kyle Rudolph got one, Cam Jordan just got one, Carson Wentz got his last week, and Yannick Ngakwe from the Jaguars will soon get one, I'm sure. It's business time in the NFL. Well, the Dolphins have already broke camp for the summer break, so it's safe to assume that no business is going to be done over the coming weeks in Miami, but perhaps upon arriving back at training camp in July, there could be some new deals for three guys in particular on this Dolphins roster. Let's go over those players and what those contracts could look like if the Dolphins so choose to make some extensions happen this July and August. The first one is the obvious guy, Laramie Tunzel, and I'll stop you right there before you even get started. I know, I know that Laramie is under his rookie contract right now, has the fifth year option next year, and then you could conceivably tag him, franchise tag him that is, in 2021, but there really isn't a better player on this team. Tunzel is the most gifted player the Dolphins have. He was the most productive player alongside arguably Xavier Howard last year. He's been mostly healthy with a few nicks and bruises here and there. And he's an example of a guy that has done things the right way throughout the course of his tenure with the Miami Dolphins. And while Tunzel is going to cost the Dolphins the highest paid contract for tackles in football, that's just what it is. He's likely going to come in at a rate right around Taylor Lewan's new deal with the Tennessee Titans, who makes a whopping $16 million per year with $80 million total on that contract and $34 million guaranteed. So just give Laramie Tunzel that same deal. Give him 35 fully guaranteed, maybe even 40 fully guaranteed, and let's just call it a day because look across the league. Nate Solder, a middle-of-the-pack tackle, 
makes $15.5 million per year with 35 and a half fully guaranteed, more than Taylor Lewan, so we have to consider the market here. Extending that goodwill is a sign of good faith from the organization, just like it was with Xavier Howard. And if you lock him up for six years right now, or whatever that might be, each of those years is going to be cheaper than if you do a six-year deal two years down the line. The contracts just get more expensive the more you put them off. So each of these years will be cheaper if you just take care of it right now. Lock Laramie Tunzel up, put it in the past, and be done with it. And also do the same for this other player on offense, out wide at wide receiver. I think the Dolphins could really benefit from extending Jakeem Grant right now. Just do it when he gets back to training camp. His contract expires next March, but an injury and lack of usage really makes him somewhat cheap on the available market. I still think this guy has the potential to be a top 10 or 15 receiver in the NFL. He's that electric. He's already the best return man in the NFL, but I've seen enough from Jakeem Grant to know what he can do on the outside and play ball on the offensive side of the football. He was a spark plug last season before mysteriously getting stashed behind Danny Amendola and Devontae Parker. And then when Albert Wilson goes down, his snaps still didn't increase. They went to Parker and Amendola instead. As far as the contract, let's compare Jakeem to Taylor Gabriel of the Chicago Bears. Similar builds, similar styles, similar players. Taylor Gabriel is on a four-year deal that pays him a total of $26 million, right around $6.5 million per year. You pair that with Albert Wilson at $8 million, then you assume the next wide receiver acquisition is a relatively high draft pick. Miami would come in under budget at the position with a lot of juice, a lot of skill, some youth, and plenty of upside to go along with that. And the last guy I want to talk about is yet another player on offense, a skill player, Kenyon Drake, the running back. I know a lot of folks are ready to write off Kenyon Drake in favor of Kalen Balazs for one reason or another, and I'm one of Balazs' biggest supporters and biggest fans. But I do think that Kenyon is a special, special player, and I think he has a special relationship with running backs coach and running game coordinator Eric Studsville, as Drake is set to hit the open market next March, just like Jakeem. But the running back market tends to be favorable to the team. Even as a part-time player last season, Drake scored nine touchdowns and had over 1,000 total yards from scrimmage. I expect both those numbers to increase this year. He was unstoppable as the workhorse to end 2017. I think there's probably a healthy balance in there you can get in terms of Drake being that workhorse or being an underused guy. You can get in the middle of that and you can compensate Drake alongside the same lines of Duke Johnson's deal with the Cleveland Browns. Johnson, who ironically wants a trade out of Cleveland, signed a three-year deal for $15.6 million and $6 million guaranteed. That's just $5 million per year. With that deal and Balazs on his rookie deal for three more years each, you can set your one-two punch for the next three years and be done with it and be done with it relatively cheaply at the position. Get them all locked up and let's add to this talent group rather than trying to replace it because there's some good young core here in Miami. Let's keep those guys in-house. Okay, we've got more to come on the podcast, but before I do that, I want to check in on Jason Harina's piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. He's ranking all the quarterbacks in the post-Dan Marino era. I know, send him your thoughts and prayers at Miami D Punks on Twitter. But he's got numbers 19 through 11 up on the site right now. And in a cruel twist of fate, 
He has Dante Culpepper, number 19 on that list, the very bottom, the man who was the consolation prize to not landing Drew Brees, who clearly would have shortened this list by a significant amount if Brees did in fact sign here. So check out Jason's work and the entirety of the Locked On Dolphins site. I'm about to begin working on my college quarterback scouting reports here in the very near future. So we're going to have you guys covered throughout this dead period. But next on the podcast, we're going to welcome on our guest, the mother of a Dolphins defensive back. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Going back to Jason Harina's article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, taking a look at all the quarterbacks and ranking them, bless his heart, in the post-Dan Marino era, here's how sad a state of affairs the Dolphins quarterback position has been in recent years. Tyler Thigpen beat out not one, not two, not three, but four other quarterbacks to play for the Dolphins in this post-Marino era. And as it always is with Jason, it's a great read. Check it out right now. LockedOnDolphins.com, ranking the quarterbacks 19 through 11 in the post-Dan Marino era. He's going to have 1 through 10 on Thursday as well. So check out all that good stuff on LOD.com. But now... I want to turn my attention to my guest today, the Dolphins signed Nick Needham out of the University of Texas, El Paso, UTEP, after he went undrafted this past April. And with that, I want to welcome Nick's mother, Shannon Needham. And I'm thrilled now to be joined by the mother of Dolphins cornerback, Nick Needham. You'll see him at training camp and in preseason with the number 40 this August in Miami from the University of Texas, El Paso. But we've got Shannon here to tell us about her pride and joy. Shannon, how are you? I'm doing great, Travis. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for asking. And thank you so much for your time today. A pretty a pretty sure. rare occurrence here to get a player's mother on the podcast. So a big <laughs> thank you for that. Our first for us here. Um, but I want to just Absolutely. ask you a few questions about Nick and, and kind of his journey to, to the NFL and, and where he's at right now. So my first question for you is, is how is he enjoying being a part of the Dolphins now for the past couple of months? Oh, well, so far, I know that he's absolutely thrilled to be out there. Um, I haven't talked to him a whole lot because I've been letting him do his thing, not bothering him. He's <laughs> very focused and zoned in. And uh, I know that, you know, the Dolphins have been on Nick's top five list uh, for quite some time as far as the team that he he just dreamed about playing for. Um, he's he's mentioned how the, the coaching staff is just amazing, uh, the players, the, the work ethic of all the guys out there. I mean, he's just really, really, really excited to be a part of it. So it really fits in with with Nick's work ethic. He's he's very uh, driven, um, very focused on his goals. He's dreamed about being in the NFL since, gosh, I can't even remember when he was a little kid, probably about three or four years old. So he's um, he's thrilled to be there. And, and, you know, so far just seems to be fitting right in with all the players and the scheme. And he's learning a lot. Well, you mentioned the great coaching. And the good news, Shannon, is that the Dolphins hired a cornerbacks coach from the New England Patriots, who has a track record of turning undrafted free agents into NFL stars, quite frankly. And I hope that's the case that happens here with Nick. And you kind of answer my next question for me, which is why did he choose the Dolphins? So we can go ahead sure. and pass over that. But you mentioned at a very young age, you knew that Nick wanted to be an NFL player. And I'm curious to ask you, was there a moment in Nick's career or his upbringing that you knew, okay, he's pretty dang good and he has a chance to make a future out of this? Well, it's funny because he actually originally started off as uh, a basketball player and he was quite 
amazing basketball player as well. He um, started playing when he was about five years old and transitioned into football when uh, Pop Warner started. And I think he was eight years old when he played for the Lakewood uh, Pop Warner team here in California. And uh, he played pretty much every running position from running back, uh, wide receiver, even played quarterback and then defensive back and just excelled at all those positions and people even on the sidelines were just blown away. And I really didn't know a lot about football at that time, but that was kind of the start of my <laughs> schooling. And uh, now I'm a huge football fan. I've, I've learned so much over the years and just seeing that he has grown since that day. Um, and he's just, he really is a stellar athlete. I'm not just saying that as his mom, but he really is. <laughs> it's okay. To, it's okay to have a little bit of bias involved in this. I think we all do a little bit, but it's cool to have some skin in the game. And uh, I wanted to ask you about maybe a moment that might've been tough on Nick. And of course that is the draft weekend when things probably didn't go the way Ooh, he had hoped. Yeah. And I was curious if you had, you know, just a kind of an anecdote, a story about when he didn't get the call to get drafted, but also how quickly afterwards the Dolphins called him and said, Hey, we'd like to invite you down for, for the mini camp and that type of thing. What was the draft day experience like for you and for Nick? I can honestly say it was intense. Um, Nick went into the whole draft with, uh, you know, realistic expectations. You know, he's been flying under the radar for the last several years, um, going to a, a school that unfortunately had a, a really bad record. Um, despite that bad record, he just excelled. And um, going into the draft, I think he he had been told that there were possibilities of going anywhere from a fourth round to a seventh round pick, and even up to and including draft day was getting calls from teams, several teams, by the way, that um, were letting him know that, oh, you know, you're up next, you're coming up next, next round. And I sat there with him with my hand on his <laughs> on his back, um, listening to this and watching this with just, it, it was almost hard to breathe. Um, it was so intense. But at the very end, he was so calm through the whole thing. Um, and I would say seconds, literally within seconds of, Mr. Irrelevant being announced <laughs> for the final draft pick, uh, Nick's phone just started blowing up and it was team after team after team. And he literally looked at his phone and swiped, <laughs> not taking some of the calls. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and we were all sitting there just intense, not wanting to say anything. I wanted to cry, but I didn't, but stayed strong. And he all of a sudden looked down at his phone and it said dolphins coach. And he stood up and all of us were sitting as my whole family were sitting in there and he looked at us and he goes, I got to take this call. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. To hear. And walked in and walked into the other room and all of us were looking at each other like, yes. Um, and sure enough, within just a few minutes, we could hear him talking to coaches and general managers and whoever else was on the other line. And he came back and he said, I'm going to Miami. <laughs> that's that's such a great story. I love hearing those stories about kind of the, you know, they always say that when you don't get drafted, it might be initially a shock or a little bit of a disappointment. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you get to pick which team you go to makes all the difference in the world. And you mentioned Nick's sure. work ethic and kind of how much he really this stuff really means to him. Well, that's been the entire, I cover this team every day, Shannon, so I know a lot about this team. That's been their entire mantra this entire offseason is to get kids that want to be there, that prioritize football. And it sounds like Nick is that exact kind of kid. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's, it's been his dream and his passion. And like I said, he's just laser focused right now on what he's doing. Um, constantly wants to get better every single day. I think he even got some great advice from one of the veteran 
uh, dolphins at the, the recent golf tournament that they were all in. Nick's not a golfer, but he did go out there and uh-huh. <laughs> gave it a shot and uh, <laughs> got to meet one of the, and I don't recall the gentleman's name, but it was one of the, the previous running backs. And he gave him some great tips on his workouts and, and how he could, in, you know, increase his stamina and et cetera on the field. And um, Nick just soaks that stuff up because he just wants to be the absolute best he can be so he can contribute to the team. So is he still going to be in South Florida through the duration of the summer? Because these next couple of weeks are basically the only time of the NFL calendar that players get off. Is he going to stay in South Florida? Well, you know what? It was interesting because originally he was not. Um, he had plans to, to stop through El Paso to meet some friends on the way home back here to California um, and was actually going to head out there back to, to Miami about, gosh, a week or so before uh, camp starts. Um, and then as the, the days towards the end of uh, their mini camp, he decided, no way, he's, he's going back early. So he's actually go, he's cutting his little vacation time, I guess, if you want to call it short. He wants to get back out there and just continue to train hard and be around, be around the uh, facilities and be around the, the trainers and to just keep learning and keep uh, getting in better shape to, to prepare himself for camp. Well, that's great to hear. That's the right mentality you got to have. And especially for an undrafted free agent, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough climb to get to the top of the roster, but this is a good place for Nick to come to because right now the Dolphins are in a bit of a transition period trying to get, mm-hmm. you know, back into contention and being back with the Patriots and the other teams that we're chasing in the AFC. But I just think that where he is in the program that he's coming to here in Miami, it's going to be one of the best chances he has to really make a name for himself and get some playing time in the preseason and earn his way up the depth chart. So I'm very, very excited to see where he can take this thing. I know he has a lot of traits the Dolphins are going to love in terms of what his footwork and his technical refinement are. I think he has a great chance to make this team. And I know a lot of respected football names have high aspirations for Nick to make this team. And uh, that's pretty much all I have for you, Shannon. So uh, thank you so much for your time. And I did want to say I was looking over your Twitter timeline and it's very clear that Nick has an excellent support system. So major kudos (laughs) to you for raising such a great young football player, but even more so a great man. And uh, you went to all the UTEP games, right? Well, this last year I did. Um, I went to all 12 games, you know, despite the, the fact that we were having a losing season. I, I committed to doing that. The previous year I had gone to nine of them and then unfortunately had to have some back surgery. So I had to watch those last couple of ones from from my bed. But, um, yeah, I went to all 12 games, uh, traveled all over the country, met some great people, families. Um, I just Nick is used to seeing me up in those stands. So I'll, I'll be there till the till the end. Well, let us know if you need any recommendations for Miami, because there's a lot to do down there. And we can give you plenty of things to do when you go to Hard Rock Stadium this fall to watch your son play in an NFL game. Uh, well, I sure hope so. We're really looking forward to it. In fact, funny thing is, I'm, I'm getting married this summer and my fiance and I have tied in our honeymoon uh, with the stop to the preseason game. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. Such good news to hear. Well, congratulations on the engagement. Congratulations you. on your son, uh, you know, about to realize his NFL dream. And thank you so much for taking the time to do this today, Shannon. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time, Travis. And thanks for having me on. Anytime. And you're welcome back anytime as well. So there she goes. Shannon Needham, the mother of Nick Needham, Dolphins cornerback. He wears number 40. You guys are going to see him this preseason. And so will his mom get a chance to see him at Hard Rock Stadium on her honeymoon. What a cool story that is. And I love those stories about these kids that have to go through the arduous weekend that is the draft weekend. And you have all these teams and agents that call you and tell you, we're going to pick you here. We're going to pick you here. We've heard that so many times. 
and most of the time it's a lie and they go in another direction. Well, thankfully for Nick, he got to choose one of his favorite teams and now he's in camp and he's down in South Florida working his butt off trying to make this roster. I really am pulling for him. If you guys haven't seen his tape, Go ahead and pull it up. It's on YouTube. There's a great article. I forget the source of it. I'll have to find it and come back and tell you about it. But it's an article about his footwork and some of the technical refinement in his game. And if you ask me, he's a really good scheme fit on this defense under Josh Boyer, under Patrick Graham, and under Brian Flores. And Shannon mentioned it in the in the interview there that he's getting some great coaching. And I fully, fully believe that to be the case. So very excited to see what they can do with this young, talented player and this coaching staff trying to elevate some of these uns- Sun guys up onto the roster and to get them contributing on the roster come September into the fall and into the winter for our Miami Dolphins. Okay, we're going to spin things forward here and take a break, but after we come back from that break, we're going to talk about the NFC South as we continue on our preview of the rest of the NFL here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Lockdown Fins. A weird tweet from Chad Johnson or Chad Ochocinco, whatever the hell he calls himself these days. He said he wants to show up to Dolphins camp and he's going to either make the team or go to jail for trespassing. But Chad Johnson saying he wants to get back into the league. I feel like he talks about this every offseason. It's not going to happen. It's a fun idea. Hell, the last time he was here, he got himself arrested and kicked off the team. So I think he kind of undid that goodwill he might have with the organization. So maybe if he wanted to come back in a coaching capacity or something like that, That might even be a hard thing for Chad Johnson to get his way back into the NFL, but it was a fun tweet to see. It definitely helps pass the time here in the middle of June. And speaking of passing the time, let's go ahead and talk about the NFC South for a minute and start with the defending champs in the New Orleans Saints. They should have been in the Super Bowl last year, and I'm rather certain that they would have given the Rams, or the Patriots rather, a much better game than the Rams did. Drew Brees is back, though he came in under 4,000 yards for the first time since 2005, back when I was in high school, my senior year. Blows my mind. And he was able to do that because of the ground game being so sturdy. Of course, now they have Mark Ingram gone, and the question becomes, can Latavius Murray become the guy that pairs with Alvin Kamara? That's a downgrade, but I do think he's good enough because Alvin Kamara, like I mentioned, and Michael Thomas are both MVP caliber players, and adding Jared Cook should free some things up in the middle of the offense there. But replacing Max Unger is going to be difficult, except that they drafted a guy that I had as a first-round grade in Eric McCoy from Texas A&M, and they actually traded up with the Dolphins to go get Eric McCoy. The defense on the other side has come together in recent years. They added Malcolm Brown and Mario Edwards to a D-line that gets year number two out of Marcus Davenport and a new contract for Cam Jordan. On top of that, they add Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Saquon Hampton to the secondary, two safeties I was high on. They already have Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus Williams back there. This is a Super Bowl team from top to bottom. The next best team in the division, in my opinion, are the Atlanta Falcons, and they were ravaged by injuries last year. Matt Ryan doesn't get nearly enough credit for how good he is, and that receiving core is as dynamic as they come. I have huge expectations this year for Calvin Ridley alongside Julio Jones, not to mention Mohamed Sanu and Devontae Freeman with Ido Smith in the backfield. They beefed up the offensive line that was severely lacking last season with a very good-looking guard prospect in Chris Lindstrom, as well as the tackle from Washington. 
Washington and Caleb McGarry. I think that offense is going to get right back to the top of the league in 2019. On defense, a total mash unit a year ago. This season, they get Deion Jones back. They have Grady Jarrett on the franchise tag, so he's back. Tack McKinley is the guy the Dolphins probably should have drafted back in 2017, and we'll find out if Vic Beasley is going to be anything in his career. He's still there. The secondary looks a lot better with Ricardo Allen, DeMonte KZ back, as well as Desmond Trufant and Keanu Neal. I think this is one of the best teams in the NFC as well and could compete with the Saints for the division title. And then this division has a third pretty good team also in the Carolina Panthers. Apparently Cam Newton has revamped his throwing motion, so that bears watching. But regardless, I think this might be Christian McCaffrey's team this year. The guy has the makings of a superstar, much in the mold of Alvin Kamara catching all the passes and making big plays in the running game as well. They have an offensive line that wants to move guys off the ball with Trey Turner, Matt Paradis, and now drafting Greg Little. The defense is always good as long as Luke Keekley is out there. He and Kaywon Short are both elite players, and they've had some growth in that secondary from guys like James Bradbury and Dante Jackson. So I think they have a chance to be an 8, 9, 10-win team as well. And then there's the Bucks, the lowly Bucks. We'll see if Jameis Winston can ever get it figured out. He finally has a competent coaching staff, which should go a long way. And Mike Evans is still there doing Mike Evans things. OJ Howard is a very impressive young tight end. And I think Chris Godwin will begin to have his breakout this season. The backfield's lacking in terms of the running backs. The offensive line has holes outside of Ali Marpet, Donovan Smith, and Ryan Jensen. Jensen had a first rough year in Tampa Bay, but he could bounce back and turn around his second season as a free agent signing with the Bucks from last year. Losing JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, as well as Gerald McCoy on that defensive line are huge blows. But now in Dominican Sioux, the mercenary is in town. So is Deion Buchanan, and I'm excited to see what he can do back with Todd Bowles like he was in Arizona. Levante David is still there, and the secondary has been pumped full of resources. They need steps forward from guys like Justin Evans, Carlton Davis, MJ Stewart, and hope to get something, anything, out of Vernon Hargraves. I think the big storyline in this division is the last ride for Drew Brees and the return of the Falcons' health and those two teams battling out for 12 or 13 wins. The other two teams are competing for third place and probably not in the playoff contention, in my opinion. Let's go ahead and get to the best of. The best team to me is the Saints. Easy pick. The best player, I think, is Alvin Kamara. I think the best offensive player is also Alvin Kamara, but I'll give it to Michael Thomas since we gave Alvin Kamara the best player award. Best defensive player, Luke Keekley from the Panthers. The best offensive rookie is going to be the guard for the Falcons, Chris Lindstrom. The best defensive rookie, the fifth pick in the draft, Devin White, the linebacker for the Bucks. The best coach is Sean Payton, and the best rivalry is Saints versus Falcons. Every single year, I love watching those games. As for today's show, that is going to do it for me. We're going to come back on tomorrow's podcast and do the NFC North and get you caught up on some more work up on LockedOnDolphins.com. But let's go ahead and call it a podcast with that. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app or Himalaya, Stitcher, tuned in, Google Play. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.